0: In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
1: When I found out I was going to be a parent, I immediately felt a lot of anxiety and worry. So I went on to BetterHelp to try to look for a therapist to help me with that. My relationship with my family and with my boyfriend and with myself were suffering. I really needed help. I was ruminating a lot. Really getting those thoughts out to a therapist and getting feedback was just life-changing.
0: If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, visit BetterHelp.com stuff today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash stuff. Hello, everybody. Have you ever been followed around by a person with a camera taking pictures of you and your family and your children and then publishing them in a newspaper or a weekly rag? Well, that happens to people. Doesn't happen to me. Probably doesn't happen to you, but we're the lucky ones. But if you're a celebrity, and I know you kind of sign up for this, it's not great to be followed around by tabloid photographers and be splashed across those tabloid magazines. And this is all about tabloids. From July 5th, 2012, How Tabloids Work.
1: Welcome to Stuff
0: You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Uh, And this is Stuff You Should Know. It's a podcast. It's audio only. Um, But coming soon... It will also include smells. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Smell-o-vision? Not vision. smell o <laughs> We'll just call it smell o Man, grumpy people today. I'm not grumpy. You're grumpy. I'm grumpy.
0: Jerry's, I'm Jerry's grumpy. 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 I'm fine. Y'all were grumping at each other when I came in here.
1: No, Jerry was mad at me for being <laughs> mad at her, which doesn't count. It's just everyone's grumpy. Such a grumpy day. I'm not grumpy. I just had legitimate gripes. Grumps? <laughs> gripes. Gripe. Everyone's gripey. All right. So, uh, Chuck. Yes. I want to tell you about a great American hero. William Cat. No. Okay. Uh, many years ago, uh, in the wilds of, I wish I could remember where he was found, Mississippi, a uh, little guy known as Bat Boy, was captured. (laughs) He was caught on a rooftop during a flood in Mississippi, and uh, the authorities seized him and um, took him into their care. He became a ward of the state.
0: That makes sense, because Bat Boys are known to go to higher ground during flooding.
1: Yeah, and he did, (laughs) true to form. Uh, So uh, Bat Boy, at first he didn't like this captivity, um, but eventually he kind of became something of a patriot by... um, volunteering to go search for Osama bin Laden and his Al-Qaeda operatives um, in the caves of Afghanistan. And the reason Bat Boy was so good at it is uh-huh. because he was raised in caves. He sure. was half Bat, half Boy. Sonar our Hence hearing. his name. Sure. Yeah. Um, he wasn't able to find Bin Laden, but he still returned to the U.S. a hero after a long, long flight because he just flew himself. Of course. And we know of uh, Batboy's exploits thanks to a little newspaper known as the Weekly World News. Have you heard of this? Two things. I used to subscribe to the Weekly World News. Did you really?
0: Yeah, for like a year in high school, me and my buddy Rad did, because it was fun.
1: Radcliffe.
0: Uh, Radford. Man. And... Two, I didn't realize that Bat Boy they they continued his uh, exploits.
1: I think Bat Boy sold a lot of papers for. The, well, I knew uh, he did, the but the I didn't know case.
0: I didn't know they kept it up. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm glad to know that he was fighting
1: the terrorists. Yes, he well he did. He yeah. tried to. I don't know if he, he well, was he, successful. At least sure. he went equipped more than with just a sword. Right. Um. But yeah, so Bat Boy was a a prominent character, I guess, in w- the <laughs> Weekly good, World News, good way which, to put it. which also bills itself as the world's only reliable newspaper.
0: really? <laughs> <That's, laughs> yeah, that, that was I don't its, remember uh, that. it's, its
1: little uh, tagline or whatever. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It's not around anymore in print. Yeah, I, I think I remember
0: it shutting down and being sort of sad. It's online, I guess.
1: Yeah, in 2008, it moved, to, it moved online. Yeah. So, really, every aspect of that story from this outrageous... um claim that Bat Boy was captured and sent to Afghanistan to um, it, it calling itself tongue-in-cheek the, um, world's most reli- or the world's only reliable newspaper to it shutting down and going online because of massive profit losses after right. being purchased by this huge conglomerate of tabloid papers. The um, Weekly World News is a perfect analogy for the course of tabloids over the last like 20 years as a whole. Yeah. And True. we're going to dig into that.
0: Um, I think it's funny, I'd because I didn't know the little tagline, but I guess they figured if we're just going to be making up stories, because the Weekly World News, for those of you who haven't read it, isn't just a tabloid. I mean, it's like, it's, it's fan fiction. I mean, it's completely ridiculous. They don't pretend. But that's why it's funny that they said that they're the only reliable thing. Yeah. They said, well, we might as well just say that in the thing. Get it?
1: Yes. And one of their apparently one of their editors is quoted as saying, "I could only find one source for this quote, so I don't know how true it is. It could sure. be made up, which would be kind of like this apropos meta parody of the whole thing." Yeah, but um, it, it, he said, uh, "If our if our readers are informed, it's usually by accident." Oh, really? <laughs> So they're well aware. That's great, and it is an extreme example. But there are there are some aspects of the uh, Weekly World News that do fit the bill of the, of a standard tabloid. Oh yeah, sure. Um, so I mean, let's talk about it. What what is a tabloid? Well, um, should we start at the beginning, or should we just talk about it a little bit, then do the history? Do you want to do the history first, man?
0: Yeah, let's do the history first. Because Proof
1: <laughs> positive that we don't practice. No. this.
0: So I did see um, there was one slight error. This is an Ed Grabanowski article, which are always great. Yeah. But did you see this other etymology for the word tabloid with the pill company? No. Um, in the late 1800s, apparently um, Burroughs and Company was a pharmaceutical company in England. They produced, uh, at the time, like medicines were all like BC powder uh-huh. and goodies powder. They're right. all powdered. Yeah. And he, I think, was the first one to make into a, to a pill by compressing the powder. And he called it a tabloid.
1: Of Cocaine
0: <laughs> yeah, it probably was, and um, that that word became to mean anything figuratively that was a small dose of anything, so huh. the word tabloid actually became uh, came before, I believe, about ten years before the shrunken newspaper uh, the physical newspaper shrinking
1: Well, it still works It's like the origin of life on earth comes from another planet, but really where did the origin of life? begin, right? It doesn't answer the question. It's the same thing. Like, okay, so maybe that's the origin of the word tabloid. Yeah. Then it was associated with newspapers. The the tabloid paper um, is printed on a smaller, more compact version of the normal newspaper newsprint. It's called a broadsheet. Right. Yeah. So the tabloid is a smaller, more compact version. The broadsheet Is longer and wider. Yeah. Um, And then the tabloid were usually printed on the smaller paper, hence the word.
0: Yeah. So at first it was a pill. Right. Then it became the size of the paper. And then later on it just became um, the style of the paper. Right. And size, but really the
1: style. But tabloids, as we're explaining them, are basically like um, they are also commonly referred to as rags, as... um, gutter publications. Gossip rags. Yeah, yeah they're gossip sheets, whatever. It's, it's basically, it's a, it's a uh, slightly shifty, underhanded <laughs> newspaper. And um, tabloids, one of the ways that they exist and always have existed is in comparison to, uh, quote, legitimate newspapers. Yeah. So like originally newspapers that say like the beginning, the early 19th century, they were extremely stuffy. They were extremely expensive. They were like six cents per yeah, which was like half a day's pay for the average laborer. And
0: really dry, man. Have you ever read these old New yeah. York Times articles? Yeah, They're, it's like yeah, they just really just you know they lay out the facts and then say the end.
1: Exactly, like the AP used to do until a few years ago. Yeah, the AP always did that. Yeah, it just was sort of straight it was up like news. Who, what, when, her, how, where, yeah, and why? The old journalistic pyramid exactly and then like maybe a quote in there and that was it um and so out of this i guess kind of boredom and a need for the working class to be able to you know get their news too yeah because they couldn't afford it came the predecessors of tabloids called the penny press yeah so they were cheaper and they also did something different they they took stories from just these boring facts Political stories, business yeah. stories, that kind of thing, and started working on human interest stories. Yeah, and they changed the style of writing. Sentences were shorter, paragraphs were shorter. Injected a little emotion. Way more emotion. Yeah, it was. It was designed for that. Like, listen to the triumph of this family yeah. over their evil landlord or whatever. Kind of what we see now in mainstream newspapers. Exactly. Yes, a lot. A Just lot of our mainstream um, media owes quite a bit to the evolution of tabloids. Agreed. And there's actually a point where it kind of spread finally. It made a jump. But you can see throughout the history of tabloids and newspapers this interplay where tabloids almost kind of break ground, yeah. take a bunch of heat and flack for it, and then newspapers like latch on to what they're doing after after it becomes co-opted and yeah. normal. Yeah, behind the the guise of, you know, we're the upstanding publication. Exactly. Yeah.
0: It's just but, uh, all disgusting. <laughs> You're right. I'm disgusted by it all. Um, yellow journalism, uh, came about in the era of, of William Randolph Hearst with his New York Journal,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, later called the New York Journal American. And he was the first person in the United States at least, cause I think in England it even started out before us, if I'm not mistaken. In England? I think they were kind of like the birth of some of the, the more tabloid style writing. Okay. But in America, William Randolph Hearst did with... Uh, all of a sudden, he started doing some celebrity stuff and mm-hmm. some murder and little sensational gore here and there. And he found that it sold really well up until the Depression when right. nothing sold really well. Right. Um, pick up after the Depression when a very uh, monumental figure in tabloid history named uh, Genetta Generoso Pope
1: or Gene Pope.
0: Gene Pope. Jr. Jr. Um, he bought a Hearst paper called the New York Enquirer for seventy five grand. Yeah, changed it to tabloid size, started uh, printing, you know, you know, stuff that he he figured people like to stare at a car crash. So
1: he was actually inspired, literally, yeah, by, by car seeing crash. people like jockeying to see the blood and the gore in a car crash, and thought, "Wow, people really are disgusting and crazy." So I'm going to give them what they want. And he did. You remember the crime scene photography episode we talked about? Ouija. Uh huh. Um, he he. And he sold a lot of stuff to Gene Pope. Yeah, I bet. Um, he printed a lot of his like gory crime scene guy. photos. What's his name? Ouija. That's right. Lewis Fellig, I think. But he went by W E E G E E. Ouija. Interesting. Yeah. So I said it again. Um, yeah, I was QAing like the executive orders episode. How many times? Like a bunch.
0: You know why? Because it was super interesting. <laughs> um, so he starts selling a lot of papers um, based on this new style. And then a guy named Rupert Murdoch, who you may have heard of, who yeah. saw or proved that you could actually have pretty wide circulation um, and began selling news of the world in England, millions of copies, yeah. sex scandals, and then the uh Pope said, "You know what? if he can sell millions and millions of copies, so can I right? let me change the name to the National enquirer Boom, right. The National enquirer was born,
1: but um, the enquirer, as we know it, still wasn't born yet. it was um thing they were <laughs> crazy headlines about like interracial sex and lesbianism and like." horrible acts of violence, posthumous violence, there is this one headline um, about a teen ripping the head off of a corpse to get at its gold teeth, <laughs> and always with the gory crime scene yeah. photos. Yeah, it's like the Pulp Comics were doing, too. Yeah, very much. Comics. It was just very tawdry. It's, um, I mean, if the stuff on uh, The Inquirer today is tawdry, it's, this was just like It's not, unfathomable. not really tawdry today the reason it's not yeah. is, again, because of Gene Pope. So he had a lot of competition. The, the And uh, not just he, but the whole industry was facing a big problem in that newsstands were starting to, to dry up. Yeah, sadly. So Gene Pope came up with an idea. He's like, supermarkets. Everybody goes to supermarkets. They need to get in there. And they're always standing in line at the checkout stand. Right. But he knew, like, there was no way that any any respectable supermarket was going to sell his tabloid, his yeah, rag, his right? right? The murderous the Yeah. So he cleaned the thing up, yeah. right? He, um, added way more. He took a, a cue from Rupert, Rupert Murdoch in his News of the World and, um, added way more celebrity stuff, sex scandals, but nothing tawdry like, you know, um, the stuff he was talking about yeah. before it was, it, it was just really, it was more like a, like a, um, the, the senator got caught with somebody or whatever. Right. Um. And there's this guy named uh James Walcott. He wrote for the uh for Vanity Fair. And he wrote this article called US Confidential. It was in the June 2002 issue of Vanity Fair. It was about this uh-huh. and ab- about that transition going from, you know, the crime scene photography to um astrology overnight so he could get into supermarkets. Uh he said um the Inquirer's staff was aghast. It was like asking an experienced team of grave robbers to take up gardening. <laughs> so that's pretty much how the Enquirer staff took: we got to clean up our act and start writing about astrology and celebrity sex scandals.
0: And it wasn't even cleaning up the act that much. It's not like you said we're going to become the, you know, New York Times.
1: No. But that's why they're there Yeah, now. That's why when you stand in line at a supermarket checkout yeah. line, it's because in the uh, 1960s, Gene Pope was like, we got to get in the supermarkets.
0: I think people either read these or they don't. Like, I don't think anyone dabbles in tabloids. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like soap operas. Like, no one just says, like, oh, let me watch a little bit of Days of Our Lives. Like, you're either hooked on this stuff or you're not.
1: I agree with that, but I think... A lot of people are guilty of picking up the tabloid and thumbing through it and then not buying it in the supermarket checkout line.
0: Well, now you know what they do now. And of course, we were going to get to this, but might as well bring it up. They look at People Magazine and Us Weekly. Right. Because they have nicked from tabloids as well and become a quote unquote respectable thing to pick up and read. Right. Even though, come on, you ever read a People Magazine? I have. It's sort of tabloidy at times.
1: It is. And um, actually, you can thank the Star for that. Um, Star used to be a tabloid sheet tabloid. Yeah. Uh, And it went over to the glossy format at some point, I think, in maybe the late 90s. Uh Uh-huh. And um, it it married those two things, glossy people magazine format with tabloid. And it was enough of a success that people was like, well, we've already got the glossy magazine part. Let's just start doing the tabloid thing. Yeah, I mean, well, people have,
0: I mean, legitimate articles still, but, and and they're not like making stuff up, but they've definitely gone way into the, you know, look at the cellulite on the beach in Malibu. Yeah. And look at this person and look at that person and who wore it better. Plastic surgery disasters. Yeah, exactly. Stuff like that.
1: Who wore it better? I know somebody who's been reading people. People. Yeah. When you have the two ladies with the same dress. It's so mean, (laughs) especially when it's like 82 to 18 percent. I know. I know. Especially when it's like, you know, it's just mean sometimes. Yeah.
0: I'm going to start wearing hockey jerseys and there'll be like a who wore it better, Kevin Smith or (laughs) podcaster Chuck Bryant. And people go... I guess Kevin Smith, because I never heard of this other guy.
1: (laughs) It's the same guy. It's the same dude anyway. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. You know, true love is always being excited from the first moment you see one another. And every time after that, it's taking long walks together in the summer or gazing longingly into each other's eyes and watching their tail wag when they chase a squirrel in the yard.
0: Well, the Pedigree brand asked about believing in love at first sight, and honestly, the answer is yes. Uh, As everyone knows from listening to this show, we have pulled all of our dogs off the street that Emily and I have had over the years, either right off the street or through a local shelter and working with them. And they've all become valued family members, and we think they've appreciated it too.
1: Yeah, Chuck, there is a pedigree loyalty survey that found that 90% of first-time dog owners report having a dog improved at least one of their relationships, and 80% of first-time dog owners are overwhelmingly more likely to have made at least one new connection as a result of getting a dog. And 95% of all dog owners say that the bond they have with their dogs is closer than they ever expected. Not a big surprise.
0: That's true. We all know that adopting a dog can lead to a lifetime meaningful connection and real love can exist between a pet and a pet
1: parent. You got that straight.
0: Pedigree is committed to helping more dogs find loving homes. Opening your home to a dog can help open your heart. And Love at First Sight is closer than you think because it's available at your local dog shelter.
1: Yeah, very important point. You can find love at first sight with the Pedigree Adoption Drive. From June 7th to June 9th. And the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide.
0: That's right. So just visit slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions.
1: All right, so um, that's pretty much the quick history of tabloids. Yeah, here in the States, at least. England, we keep mentioning England
0: because they're they're lousy with it.
1: Well, they're kind of on the leading edge of the decline yeah. of tabloids right now. Oh, of the decline? Yeah. yeah. We'll get to that. In a All right,
0: bit. so before we go on to tabloid stories and how they get these stories, we should point out that in 1999, the uh, National Enquirer, the Star of the Globe, the National Examiner, and Weekly World News... Were all purchased by American Media Inc. Like all, all of those just snapped them all up. Basically, uh, so we're about running the show now.
1: Every big tabloid in the United yeah. States was purchased by this one yeah. company, and um, yeah, I just they, think
0: that's never a good thing. Or maybe that's just me being it. You know, well, that's the funny thing. Paranoid. Like um,
1: the the title of this uh, sidebar is: They control everything <laughs> you read.
0: Unless you don't read any
1: of those things. So um, the the. AMI actually, they're the reason the Weekly World News shut down. Um, they were like, okay, this thing's losing money. Yeah. AMI posted a $160 million loss in 2006 and was facing like a billion dollars in debt. So Batboy had to go. Yeah. Batboy went to the internet. Yeah. That makes sense. That's yeah. where Batboy belongs. So, okay. Let's talk about this. What, what makes a tabloid? It's not just subjective. I mean, you, it, tabloids like pornography, you know it when you see it, right? It's tough to define. True. That's not um, entirely the case. There are some actual um, discernible distinctions among tabloids that make a tabloid a tabloid. Agreed. So, what are they? Well, Ed
0: points out here something really important. The key to a tabloid story is not that it be true,
1: mm-hmm.
0: just that someone has said that it's true. You're right. And they latch onto that person, and as long as they say, you know, attribute these quotes to this
1: person, then they can't be held accountable and that person is frequently cited as an expert sure and a close friend sure i mean if somebody it's all the way you you present the story if the if you're saying if your whole story is all about how this person said something yeah it's not really about the story the story's still there but you're focusing on this person it's like the the rule of the of the tabloid industry it's
0: kind of a trick though because Very much you're so. tricking people into thinking you're reading about A story about Brangelina, when in fact you're reading a story about a former maid that worked for Brangelina, right? And what they think is true,
1: right? Or some crazy person who has nothing to do with Brangelina, who like just um, maybe saw one of them in a coffee shop, right? And like noticed they didn't tip or something like that. Bam! There's your story. also, like we said, they like to add experts, and but the experts are in no way, shape, or form qualified in a lot of ways. Yeah. They have no credentials. They're not vetted. It's more, say, like um, the example uh, Grabanowski uses is, is uh, like a Bigfoot enthusiast, yeah. right? If somebody spends a lot of time uh, searching for Bigfoot, researching Bigfoot, mm-hmm. there, there's no institute out there to qualify them, to give them credentials, but you could reasonably make a case that this person's a Bigfoot, Bigfoot expert, right? Yeah. The thing is, is like the Inquirer or the Star or the Weekly World News is not going to the trouble of explaining that. They just say, Bigfoot expert so-and-so says yeah. that there's a bunch of these things out, and he's seen a bunch. And he's an expert. Exactly. Uh,
0: my favorite is the leading quote. like uh, They will get the random person who saw Angelina a coffee shop, and they will say, did she look, uh, th- th- they would say maybe something like, yeah, she looked like, she looked jittery. And they would say, did she look strung out and that th- she had possibly been up for days without eating? Yeah, she sort of looked like that. And then all of a sudden that's the quote. Exactly. "Is Witnesses say she looked strung out and like she had not eaten for days. Right. And uh,
1: All they have to do is say yes. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Or like, would you say this? And if the person says yes, well, sure, then you just said that. Another um, hallmark of tabloids is making a huge deal out of something I guess other newspapers would consider small, right? Back page stuff. Yeah. And like actually looking through other newspapers to find some quasi-interesting story mm-hmm. and then blowing it up into possibly a front page feature um, just by getting into the story and really interviewing a lot of people involved. Mm-hmm. Um and then maybe throwing an expert or something like that, and just basically making a lot, a lot of hay out of something very um, kind of negligible. Yeah. Um, and this by adding a bunch of quotes and stuff. And what do you think about this? What do you think about that? It takes it from being about the story, right? Like a um, a, a man saved a, a goat from a burning building. Awesome. <laughs> to what these people think about this man and his goat. Yeah. And you can do anything with that. Exactly. The love affair, you mean? Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> if somebody said it, then they could conceivably report it. Yeah. If anyone said it. Yeah. Um
0: celebrity uh celebrity news is obviously one of the biggest parts of tabloids these days, at least. And they uh the writers have informants, all kinds of informants. Yeah. From, um security people who had worked for them or who work at venues where they might have been, yeah. um, hairstylists, nail salon people, like anyone that can dish up dirt. And they get in the rotation. And uh, I remember we shot, you ever heard of Janet Charlton? No. You might recognize her. She was a, a, a gossip columnist and think did stuff for TV, like Entertainment Tonight. Okay. But that's how she made her living, and she was like one of the more famous ones. Okay. And we shot a commercial at her house one time in LA, and she was there hanging out, and uh, I was like, you gotta tell me some stories. And of course, she just loved that kind of thing. And she would just sit down and regale us with stories about Michael Douglas and his secret sex addiction, and, <laughs> and she, was, she always said, like, well, you know, my sources tell me. Right. And she had a list, a Rolodex of people on the bankroll, yeah, that she would pay, you know, a few bucks if it was not a big deal, to a lot of money if it was a big celebrity
1: with big news, right? And it's um, that's pretty much standard. Like you were saying, there there's this guy named um, Paul McMullen, who wrote for I think News of the World, and um, you know Denholm Elliott, he was uh, he was I know that name Indiana Jones's, Sidekick. Yeah. I can't remember his name, but the older British guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, he was just this huge star in Great Britain, and he had a he was very, very beloved, too, and he had a daughter who was addicted to heroin, and after he died, um, she took like a, a big turn for the worse, and this cop tipped off, I think a, another person who in turn tipped off Paul McMullen, but the cop got a few hundred pounds for it, Um, that this girl was like, she's kind of a prostitute, she's so much of a heroin addict, so... Whatever you want to do with that. So Paul McMullen Paul McMullen goes and like offers to pay this this lady like drug money for sex or whatever and she agrees and like all of a sudden he starts reporting on it. Wow. He's got photos and everything. Well she ended up killing herself. Oh my god. And he he now says, like, you know, I take responsibility for that, which is meaningless. Sure. But um yeah, he the it all started with a cop knowing about this and then tipping off the the reporters. That's so sad. It is. I but what that cops cop are, thinks. cops are uh, not immune to this kind of thing too. Believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> You know, true love is always being excited from the first moment you see one another. And every time after that, it's taking long walks together in the summer or gazing longingly into each other's eyes and watching their tail wag when they chase a squirrel in the yard.
0: Well, the pedigree brand asked about believing in love at first sight. And honestly, the answer is yes. Uh, As everyone knows from listening to this show, we have pulled all of our dogs off the street that Emily and I have had over the years, either right off the street or through a local shelter and working with them. And they've all become valued family members, and we think they've appreciated it too.
1: Yeah, Chuck, there is a pedigree loyalty survey that found that 90% of first-time dog owners report having a dog improved at least one of their relationships, and 80% of first-time dog owners are overwhelmingly more likely to have made at least one new connection as a result of getting a dog. And 95% of all dog owners say that the bond they have with their dogs is closer than they ever expected. Not a big surprise. That's
0: true. We all know that adopting a dog can lead to a lifetime meaningful connection and real love can exist between a pet
1: and a pet parent. You got that straight.
0: Pedigree is committed to helping more dogs find loving homes. Opening your home to a dog can help open your heart. And Love at First Sight is closer than you think because it's available at your local dog shelter.
1: Yeah, very important point you can find love at first sight with the pedigree adoption drive from june 7th to june 9th and the pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide
0: that's right so just visit pedigree.com adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions Uh, Josh, another way they'll get their information is from the celebrities themselves. Um, from what I've gathered, you're either, you fall into three categories. You okay. either fight, fight, fight the tabloids. You either are lucky enough and are smart enough to kind of be low profile and you're not really a subject of tablo- tabloids. Yeah. There's a lot of big stars you never seen in the tabloids.
1: Harrison Ford.
0: Yeah. Uh, or number three is you play ball a little bit. Right. Which means, you know what, I'll give you a little information here and there. I'll leak out some stuff here and there. If you play nice with me, I'll play ball with you. Maybe I'll let you know like what restaurant I'll be coming out of one night. Yeah. You can photograph me, give you your little time. And um sometimes movie studios will leak stuff to get get up a little press. Yeah. They did that a lot a lot back in the day. Yeah. But it still goes on.
1: Yeah, it's like a symbiotic relationship between The person who needs their star to maintain its position through things like just basically you're a star because the public is aware of you.
0: Yeah. No such thing as bad press. Like you might be in there for your cellulite, but what if someone picks up the magazine they're like, oh, I wonder whatever happened to her.
1: I thought she was dead.
0: And all of a sudden they're like, she's not dead. She just has cellulite.
1: (laughs) How sad. How sad. (laughs) But at the same time, I feel better about myself. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um... So, I guess one of the ways that you stay in the tabloids is through having your picture made. As we say here in the South. A group of people known collectively as paparazzi. Yeah. And they, actually, I found out, are named after a paparazzo photographer. You didn't know that? Named paparazzo with a capital P. He was a character in um, Fellini. Uh Uh-huh. Fellini's uh, La Dolce Vita That's right. movie. And um, apparently they were already extant, but they, they got their name through this character. But even then, they weren't crazy. It wasn't until the 70s, right, again, thanks to Gene Pope, um, that they really became the kind of reckless, relentless nuisances that we have today. And it was all because Gene Pope was obsessed with Jackie O and Aristotle Orances, oh, really? and he would pay so much money for anything on them that people that the photographers were like just really, really became aggressive and, right. and assertive because of it. And they're way worse in Europe because of Jean Pope and because they initially started doing this stuff in Greece and in, in Europe. Right. Um, and that that still is connected to this day to the death of um, Diana, Princess yeah. of Wales. They were supposedly well. The driver chased. had been drinking, but they were supposedly being chased yeah, by a paparazzi on motorcycles. Yeah, very sad. But that's all, Generoso Pope Jr. Um, I'll bet that guy wore huge black uh, yeah, glasses, <laughs> yeah. thick ones, like Robert De Niro at the end of Casino. Yeah, God, those were great. Um, supposedly, Fellini too.
0: I, I dug this up. Took the word from an Italian word that described the buzzing sound of a mosquito. Oh, that's nice. That's unverified, but he said in an interview in Time Magazine in the 70s that he's like, yeah, I always just associate it with something buzzing around you and in your way. Yeah.
1: Like, well, that's paparazzi.
0: Um, And there's that movie, too. Paparazzi. Is that what it was called?
1: From 2004?
0: Yeah, where the dude, uh, what's his face, goes back and beats up...
1: uh, Cole Hauser? Yeah. Did you see it? Not bad. No, I ran across it on uh, IMDb today. It's not bad at all. Um, It's also, it could very easily be based on the life of Alec Baldwin. Uh, yeah, sure. Or, <laughs> or Sean, Sean Penn. Penn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because there's, I, mean, I think the categories you were describing, um, the people who are just so big that they can't keep a low profile, but they mm. also don't want or need that, that, the tabloids yeah. on them. But I've also very much gotten the impression it's like there's a lot of people out there who feed it to them, who want it, who crave it. Yeah. And I can't feel bad for those people at all.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a tough thing.
1: Because there are people plenty, like you're saying, like um, plenty of people out there who are big stars, but you never see anything about them in the tabloids. It's because they just stay out of it. They stay away from it,
0: you know? Yeah, I'm trying to think of one. I mean, there's so many. That's probably why I can't think of it. But like Harrison Ford is a good example, I guess. Yeah. Except
1: see- when he started dating Calista Flockhart. They were they were in the tabloids a lot, but I also suspect... Like, most of that stuff was all very pleasant, like, hand-holding things, so...
0: Yeah, but she was in the tabloids a lot because of her weight, so that fed into that. Yeah. You know, like, maybe she'll be happy and eat again now that she has Harrison Ford. Right. You know?
1: Yeah. He's just like, eat this. <laughs> eat that, too. <laughs> Here, eat this. All right, let's talk about... <laughs> Let's talk about the law. Yeah. Because w- this
0: was really interesting, I thought. Because the first thing you think of Wait, is... Wait, the rest
1: of it was not interesting at all. No,
0: I, th- I, th- I thought this was super interesting, though. Because the first thing I think of is, <laughs> why aren't these people
1: suing every day? Yeah. Suing these tabloids. Some try. Some do. Some have been successful. For a while, for the early tabloids, one's like, um, oh, uh, what were they called? Like, Confidential, I think, was one of the early tabloids. Yeah. Um... Like the uh, the Tattler, Um there were just whatever stupid name about not about airing dirty laundry. That was yeah. the name of some pulp tabloid in the fifties and sixties. Dirty laundry was probably one of them. I'll bet. Um, and they got away with that stuff because, well, for two reasons. This guy wrote um, uh, Bill Sloan. Yeah, he wrote. I watched a, ho- a wild hog eat my baby, which is pretty much this definitive history of the tabloids. And he's got uh, his bona fides because he uh, was an editor for the National Enquirer, right? Yeah. Um, And he said there's two reasons in the 50s and 60s. One, if you were a legitimate star, these things were so in the gutter that to stoop to suing them Mm -hmm. was problematic in one. It was the attention that lawsuit would attract because the regular press was going to start talking about it. It would
0: make you look as bad as...
1: Well, it would draw a lot more attention to the original story. Right. And then the second thing is, is, even if you won, that publisher doesn't have the money to pay you. Yeah, good luck. Then Gene Pope, once again, changes everything. Gene Pope and Rupert Murdoch. All of a sudden, these things have enormous circulations. Yeah. Um, I think Gene Pope took the Inquirer from like 15,000 or 100,000 to 5 million at its peak yeah. in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, suddenly they did have deep pockets, and things changed. And um, Carol Burnett, kind of still to this day stands as like a bellwether for the celebrities versus the tabloids as far as the law goes.
0: Yeah, she sued uh, after a 1976 article uh, said, and I have to read this quote, it's pretty good. At a Washington restaurant, a boisterous Carol Burnett had a loud argument with another diner, Henry Kissinger. (laughs) She traipsed around the place offering everyone a bite of her dessert and they didn't put her dessert in quotes, I would have. Uh, but Carol really raised <laughs> eyebrows when she accidentally knocked a glass of wine over one diner, and started giggling instead of apologizing. So they basically said she was blitzed at this restaurant, and, and she Kissinger sued. Was there, he went, yeah, <laughs> he's a big fan, probably. Yeah, and she and sued and won, <laughs> one point six million dollars. Yeah, which was, and we'll find out here in a second. This is one of the hallmarks of their litigation. Settled out of court for much, much less, well, very quietly.
1: she got a big settlement because in 1981 dollars, $1. 1.6 million yeah, is like good money. 100 billion today, <laughs> I, I think. Uh, and then um, it was reduced by an appeals court, which is usually step two in these kind of suits. Yeah, like 200 grand? Yeah, and then it was settled out of court, so I would imagine for even less than that. Yeah. Um, but it was still, it was a big deal. It was the first time really, that like a major star was able to win a defamation lawsuit against a tabloid. But it was one of the—I don't want to say it was one of the only times, but it was one of the very few times, especially if you are going on the premise of all the people who want to sue the tabloids and don't actually bring a suit. All right. Because things have changed now. Yeah. Now the tabloids have these reputations for being extremely fearsome litigators. Yeah. Where, like, if you want to sue them— you thought that story that ticked you off was bad? Yeah. They're going to get anything they can, and they're going to do it through the courts. So like when Aretha Franklin, or no, um, oh Elizabeth, well, Elizabeth Taylor. Taylor, yes. When she tried to sue, I think, the Inquirer, or when she did sue the Inquirer, the Inquirer's lawyers tried to subpoena all of her medical records. For the past 30 years. So they go after everything. They yeah. try to b- drag your life into the spotlight to make it, like, really not worth your while to sue them.
0: Yeah, it's this celebrity attorney that was interviewed for this awesome New York Times article, uh, Vincent Schieffo. Oh. Yeah, everyone's Italian. Um, <laughs> everybody is Italian. Said that it's basically, he calls it the scorpion defense, which is uh, you don't attack a scorpion because you will get stung. Um, Aside from...
1: It's not, not, the, not the most complex analogy. I like it. No? It's pretty straightforward, I guess. Do, do they need to be complex? But you can call it... <laughs> that's the snake analogy. That's the spider analogy. That's the two-year-old analogy.
0: Oh, like don't mess with a two-year-old you'll get thrown up on? Or bitten?
1: <laughs> okay. Pooped on? Uh, yeah. you get poop on you. That's what they should use because
0: a scorpion can only do one thing. A two-year-old can humiliate you in a number of
1: ways have you ever heard so there's this whole thing that like scorpions commit suicide if you set them on fire by what? stinging themselves really and apparently there's a lot of like youtube videos out there people like doing this with scorpions like That's setting awful. them on fire and then the scorpion will like jump about and like sting itself and eventually die well i we trying to put the fire out they found that this they found that that scorpions are almost entirely immune to their own venom Ah. And that really, all this is just a reaction of being burned alive. They're like trying to like they're flailing about, and one of the flails is like their their stinger's moving, and sometimes it stings itself. So it appears to dumb kids who set scorpions on fire that scorpions committing suicide. Terrible. Isn't that awful?
0: That's a great tangent, though. Thanks, man. All right, don't burn animals or insects of any kind, kids. It's just mean. That's exactly right. And it means you you're setting yourself up for being a sociopath later in life.
1: Also, legally speaking, with tabloids, um, you have to prove malice.
0: Yeah, that's the big one.
1: Not only that what they printed was false, but mm-hmm. that they knowingly printed information they knew was false.
0: Yeah, because it's got to be libelous. It can't just be... Maliciously libelous. They, they just printed a rumor about me that wasn't true. It's got to have malice behind it. Uh, libel is printed. Slander is stated with your mouth. Those are the two differences. <laughs> <laughs> or um, I guess you could
1: blink it out with your eyes. Yeah,
0: that's true. Um, so basically, the scorpion defense and then the uh, delays. The first thing they're going to do is start filing motions to delay, to delay, to delay. It makes you spend
1: a lot of money.
0: A lot of money. So and,
1: and if you think about it, there's nothing to really gain here necessarily. You're, well, yeah. It's your reputation. So a, a star who has a bunch of money says, I have a bunch of money, and I'm really mad at these guys, and I want to teach them a lesson. So, I'm going to sue them and the, the basically the first tactic is the tabloids try to make it not worth your while, that you'll drop it because you don't really need this money. You're looking for a sure. judgment and hopefully you'll get bored. Well, and the tabloids don't care.
0: Even if they drag this thing out and print a retraction six months later. No one remembers, no one reads retractions or cares about retractions.
1: Well, six months later, that's a, that's a well put because apparently part of the judgment of some of these in, in successful suits is that you can't write about um, this star for a set amount of time. Yeah, they'll like cut
0: a deal sometimes yeah. and say, you know what, I'll drop the lawsuit, just give me a break for the next year. Right. And then they put on their calendar, Tom Cruise, one year
1: from now, set reminder. Right to start effing with him again. (laughs) Right, and um, another way that tabloids stay out of court is most of their um, articles are read, screened by an attorney or attorneys they have on retainer. Yeah. So each article that's printed kind of comes with this this implicit um, stamp of approval from a legal expert. Who's yeah, they're saying wanna, like sure. you 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 really don't have a case if you want to sue against this.
0: Yeah, they want to they want to walk right up to the line of libel and stop there, and they're pretty good and at it. And Then urinate on it, and then urinate on it. And I imagine the writers are really good at it. And then as backup, they have their own attorneys that are even oh, better at it. Sure. And so they're like, "Yep, this is not libelous. Prove it. Spend right. spend half a million dollars trying to prove this." And some people do. Like Aretha Franklin, I think settled. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise, Schwarzenegger, in, uh, Katie, in, Kate mm, Cruise. Yeah, just, they've, uh, they've in all March. sued and won.
1: Did she win? Because Katie Holmes just filed in March. She against uh, the star fifty million. She
0: settled for a uh, donation to her charity. Nice. Unless she has done it twice.
1: She did it just this past March. She filed suit against him for this one cover. Um, About the drugs. Has, like yeah, bags under her eyes, and they're yeah. like Katie's drug problem. Why she won't leave Tom. All this, and uh, I also, the article kind of goes after Scientology, and um, big b- mistake. Well, based on that list, Nicole Kidman, Tom Cruise, Katie Holmes, it makes you wonder. Like, huh? I wonder how how much Scientology encourages uh, yeah. Travolta suing for defamation in articles that also include, you know, stuff against Scientology. Yeah,
0: because Travolta just had the big row with the oh, yeah. uh, his little supposed. Toddy uh, affairs here in Georgia,
1: right? And then, I guess another hallmark that's not really in—it's um, not really in the article, but I, I, I think you can make a pretty strong case—is uh, that sometimes, a lot of times, the tabloid gets things right. Yeah, but the the way that they do it often is very much. Unethical and immoral as far as um, the standards of the press is concerned and that's what Rupert what's been going on with Rupert Murdoch like um, Parliament like a parliamentary um, panel basically said you're not fit to run News corps any longer because this scandal is so huge with the phone hacking scandal Oh yeah. Um, where I, we, I can't remember what episode we talked about it in, but there was the girl who was kidnapped, and like the news of the world writers were hacking into her um, voicemail oh, yeah. and then deleting them, and yeah, so the yeah. police thought she was still alive, and it was possibly affecting the course of the investigation. They they identified four thousand celebrities, athletes, politicians, people of note, um, who were whose emails were hacked. Four thousand, wow. and then another thousand that had likely been hacked. Some people have already sued and won, like Sienna Miller, Steve Coogan of um, Twenty Four oh, Hour Party People, and um, Tristan Shandy. Uh-huh. Um, some people have already won, but for the most part, it's um, these people aren't going to get any any damages awarded. Right. It's basically just no News of the World is shut down now, but it was out of hand. Wow and now they're they're showing that they were also hacking email, which Great Britain has this kind of um this this computer theft law now uh-huh. which makes email hacking way worse than phone hacking, so if that opens up to be a big thing there's people are actually going to start doing time for it good yeah, that's what I say, but like I was saying, sometimes they get things right they
0: do um, over the years, we'll mention a few o j Simpson case, uh the National Enquirer, and it seems like it's generally the enquirer that that sort of scoops the legit ones. It's never like the star. Yes. You know? So uh, the National Enquirer scooped in the OJ trial uh, the uh, story about his shoes, the Bruno Mollies. Yeah. They scooped the story of the dealer that sold him a knife similar to the murder weapon. Yep. I guess
1: they're yeah, knife dealers. The way they scooped the shoe story, remember there were bloody footprints? I mm-hmm. thought this was awesome. They really went to town... To tr- because there was a Bruno Molly f- bloody footprint at the scene, and OJ Simpson said, "I don't, I don't, I've never owned a, a pair of shoes like that." They show a picture. They they went back and found footage of him from like right. 1993 uh, wearing them on the field, like reporting, yeah, yeah uh, from a football game. That's right. Yeah, and proved that yes, indeed, he did have those shoes. And he was like, "Oh, those shoes, right? Yeah." Uh Bill Cosby's kid, Ennis, remember when he was killed? Yeah, that was sad. The inquirer offered a hundred thousand dollar reward for information and that actually led to somebody coming forward and, and giving the information that led to the capturing of the killer. That's right.
0: Uh Jesse Jackson's uh illegitimate child. Yeah. Uh in two thousand one he um
1: came out and was like, Oh yeah, I guess he found out it's true. Yes. Uh, Gary Hart, when he was running for president in '88, I remember this well. He was on the monkey business down <laughs> in Miami with uh, what was her name, Donna Rice. Yeah, um, such a funny photo when he, you look at it now. He, uh, I, I haven't seen it. I don't think
0: she's just like sitting on his lap, and he's just got a big grin on his face, and he's got a t-shirt that says "Monkey Shines Crew." And yeah, it was it was all over the place at the time. But
1: he dropped out of the race. It was because of this this um picture in the Inquirer. They scooped everybody on it. And Rush Limbaugh.
0: Yeah, my favorite drug addict that was exposed. Rush Limbaugh.
1: Yeah, I remember he was buying OxyContin from his maid. Lots. He was on like how many pills a day? He
0: bought, well, I don't know how many a day, but he bought apparently 30,000 pills from her.
1: I think he was on like some ungodly amount, like 20 or 60 or 80 pills a day. Just so, so I remember hearing it. it. was like, how is he alive? Or even uh, not uh, standing up. Yeah, yeah, but that was the Inquirer that did that. But again, so uh, there, there could be it could have come from a tip, right? Yeah, it could have come from um, the maid. The, yeah, they could have um, they they could have gotten this information from wiretapping from whatever. It doesn't mean it's wrong, but just one of the hallmarks of a tabloid is that they'll they'll follow sometimes loo- looser ethics than right. maybe. Again, a New York Times reporter.
0: (laughs) Um, So tabloids today, Josh, like you mentioned, um, at the peak, the National Enquirer was selling about 5 million copies uh, in circulation. Mm -hmm. Now all of the leading ones in the United States combined sell about 5.4 million. So they've really gone down. And one of the reasons why is because they were so successful that mainstream media became much more tabloidy. Yeah and tabloids became much less uh much less different they well than they mainstream increased
1: news. the field of competition increased yeah
0: and basically everyone was kind of doing similar stuff now and they ed pointed out in the article during the Lewinsky trial sales went down mm. because stuff you were seeing on CNN and was just as salacious as right. anything you would read in the star
1: and again it's like the mainstream media kind of took a cue from tabloids yeah as they have so many other times before. I bet they were
0: so pissed off about that. What? With the Clinton thing, they were probably just like, "Let's let's make up some stuff. Let's like, what if he used a cigar?" And they were like, "Well, that was no, the crazy stuff about." <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: It was all true. Yeah. With Clinton, man, that was nuts. Looking back, yeah. So you got anything else? Um, I got nothing else. Well, then that's tabloids, Chuck. Tabloids. Ta-da. Uh, If you want to learn more about tabloids and see a picture of the beloved bat boy, you can type in tabloids, T-A-B-L-O-I-D-S, in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, which means it's time for listener mail.
0: All right, Josh, I'm going to call this uh, Don't Cry For Me, Josh and Chuck. Hi, guys. I'm currently working in Argentina Mm -hmm. conducting research and teaching uh, English on a Fulbright scholarship wanted to let you know that your podcast serves as a great resource for English learners in other countries. Um, I've been introducing your podcast to students and adults I meet who are interested in furthering their English and learning more about U.S. culture. Nice. <laughs> yeah, a little scary too. Um, the idea of a podcast culture does not yet exist in Argentina. When I introduce the idea and your program to people here, they're very curious and eager to listen. They make great wine too, by the
1: way. Argentina? Yeah. Okay. It's
0: good stuff. Uh, your podcast is providing a fun, informative way for students here to practice listening to different English accents, um, to try and pick up on some colloquialisms and jokes, to learn new vocabulary. <laughs> Boy, I feel a lot of heat all of a sudden, <laughs> um, and to become more informed on the various issues you discuss. Uh, the idea of people listening to podcasts purely to further their own knowledge is part is a part of U.S. culture that I am proud to share. And thank
1: you very much for that, spreading your fan base in Argentina. Angela Hartley. That's very nice. Thank you very much for that. We're becoming um, cult-like figures, like Rodriguez. Who? There's this uh, like singer-songwriter from, I think, the late 60s, early 70s, and he just went by the name Rodriguez and released a couple albums that just totally flopped here, uh-huh. and um, he just went the way of obscurity. Didn't realize that in South Africa, these two albums are, achieved like just incredible status over really? there. And everyone wondered what happened to him. And finally years later he found out like he's a like a mythical figure in South Africa. Really? And now there's a documentary that just came out about the whole thing. It sounds like a movie or something. There's a documentary. Well it sounds
0: like a feature film. I know. Like something someone would make up.
1: I saw a movie like that. You mean I went to Silver Docks uh-huh. and saw The Imposter. Oh yeah. You it was that. very much like that. Where the one of the producers afterwards at the Q and A was like we, he was asked if they were going to turn it into like a feature film he was like we can't like there's just too, too many great. it's too outlandish that if you fictionalized it people would be like this is stupid why'd you, why'd you make these choices Ooh, I want to see it yeah you should it's very good awesome um, well, okay if you have a doc recommender a documentary recommendation so I guess it'd be a documentary recommendation a docu-rec thank you mm-hmm. thank you Um, We're always looking for that. Um, Is that correct, Doc, you Because I think I've seen that written before. Really? Yeah. I just made it up. Um, You can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash StuffYouShouldKnow. And you can email us your recs to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from I Heart Radio visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit visible.com. The visible monthly rate is $25 per month.
1: In Puerto Rico, there's adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the U.S. Get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico and that remind you why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island, it becomes a part of you. No passports required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at Rico.com. Hey,
0: everybody. I want to talk to you for a second here about Canva, specifically Canva presentations that are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work, sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation. So start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. Just go to Canva, C-A-N-V-A.com.
1: In business, first impressions are everything, and that's why every business owner needs to know about Ruby. Ruby is the virtual receptionist company who screens, transfers, and takes messages 24-7, all while making your customers feel special. You definitely don't want to hire a subpar front desk person, and with Ruby, they engage with your callers in a conversational way, just like your best employee would. Never miss another customer call again. This year, make your business the best it can be. Visit ruby.com today or just call them at 844900RUBY